to Ganadomics Finance. This will be a series of podcasts on various aspects of financial services. My name is Andre Zarafa. I'm the managing partner of Ganado Advocates in Malta. We have invited industry leaders, practitioners and stakeholders to join us for informal discussions on all that concerns the industry. We felt we should start the series with a discussion on regulation, supervision and also on the future of this industry. Indeed, for the first podcast in this series, we invited Mr. Joseph Gavin, Chief Executive Officer of the MFSA. Welcome, Joe. Thanks. Thank you, Andre. Just to start off with uh, with our discussion, uh, Joe, you joined the MFSA six months ago, around about six months ago. And when you joined, um, there were obviously, as there are still, a number of challenges uh, ahead. So how has been how has it been the the experience at the helm of the MFSA? It's been a fascinating journey. I arrived in early September, and of course, you know, the, you have to spend time meeting people, talking to people, understanding the different issues. At that time, of course, you know, the uh, pandemic was uh, still very much uh, up in our uh, in our minds, and uh, there was the shock of the grey listing, which I think cast a cloud over the financial sector and something of a setback. Very pleased to see that uh, very good progress has been made um, over uh, the recent past. And I think it's fair to say uh, much of the good work was done during the money valve visits over the previous two years. So an awful lot of the work had already been done. Um, So I think that led to some of the disappointment Um, But it looks like we're on a clear path at this point, um, which I think gives rise to a much greater sense of uh, confidence um, in among uh, practitioners, participants, regulators and uh, the industry. What I discovered over the past six months is how strong and diversified, um, well diversified the financial sector is in terms of banking, insurance, asset management, IT, fintech, you know, so there's there's um, a very strong base for continued growth of the sector. Okay, so the, the you obviously see a, a major a major function and the role for the MFSA in uh, the contribution which it can provide for the jurisdiction to let's say, come back on its feet. Yeah, um, um, yeah no, and I think um, there are a number of aspects to this. One is we need to be seen as an effective regulator. So I think, you know, in terms of being an effective gatekeeper, um, an effective supervisor, an effective enforcer. But I think there's also a role for us in terms of promulgating change and collaborating in that process with industry and industry participants. So I, I, uh, we are committed to um, supporting industry in terms of identifying uh, growth opportunities and in particular niche growth opportunities. So uh, uh, with that in mind, um, you know, the, I took a hand in our asset management strategy, which we delivered before December. Um, and I think that was an example of how we see one, you know, the things we need to change in terms of our engagement with the sector you know, by um, improving efficiencies and processes, um, but then also assisting in elaborating or in assisting in changing uh, the framework to allow for 
you know, uh, wider opportunities and growth. Excellent. Um, uh, and in fact, I think the the last in the last few years we have seen the the various industry sectors in 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 financial services in Malta. I would say consolidating because we ha- we haven't seen as such a shrinking of the industry, but we have seen operators who let's say were more serious about their governance risk and compliance obligations uh, including also their anti-money laundering obligations mm. coming to the fore uh, and rising up to the challenge and i think this would be also in line with the mfsa's supervisory priorities i absolutely agree i think um, in terms of our supervisory priorities we we want to see that uh, you know that we're we're seen to be an effective regulator and um, that all helps to have effective firms in terms of capital governance compliance where you know people take uh, aml etc where people take their responsibilities seriously um, and that will in itself help to grow the sector and attract new entrants are you seeing anything on the horizon which could be a game changer in financial services? Not necessarily in Malta, even on a global level. Yeah, I think on um, on a global level, well, um, there is absolutely no doubt the, uh, that technology is rapidly overtaking. Um, and I'm not saying we're struggling to keep up, but I think it's a challenge. It's a real challenge. And I think it's um, probably our biggest challenge in the coming two years, two to three years, that we uh, need to continue to make short-term changes to continue to ensure that our platforms are effective. Um, We then also need to move to a longer-term position where we've got um, a much more data-driven approach to um, supervision. And even more so, I would say, with the influx, because in, in, in case of payment services, I think we've seen an influx and electronic money institutions in particular, even yeah. when one looks at the number of licenses which have been issued um, and you, you compare EMIs to the rest of the whole industry, you, on a pro rata basis, the biggest increase has been in, in, in the licensing of EMIs. Yeah, and, and it's, it's how you measure the numbers, I think, is an important point, you know, in terms of um, volume of activity, um, profitability, etc. So I, I think that um, there's there are great prospects for payment institutions, e-money institutions, and particularly with the development of open architecture under PSD3, um, you're going to see continued um, elaboration of new financial intermediated products. Okay, just to 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 pick on that, the uh, my, traditionally, I come from the uh, asset management industry, so that has been my specialization now for a, for a number of years. Uh, in in my industry, the contact with investors and the 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 investment strategy and the implementation of that investment strategy is key to basically have uh, a business which is doing well, to have a to have a a fund which which is delivering. And I must say that I've seen several clients struggling uh, in the last few years uh, with uh, new products coming to the market, with the traditional being overtaken by the new. Uh, and we keep on uh, going on about innovation, which is, which is extremely important. Uh, I think we also need to have um, regulatory innovation, uh, innovation which is linked to specific sectors in particular, on which I know that the MFSA has been focusing on innovative products, products which 
uh, are linked to fintech solutions or not. Uh, what what is there in the pipeline? Anything interesting? Well, for example, if we take um, asset management, um, I think um, 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 I'd like to see us um, in a more competitive uh, position relative to some of the larger jurisdictions. I think there is scope to um, expand the capacity of uh, multi um, financial instruments or you know legal instruments. Um, in comparison with Ireland and Luxembourg, and um, uh, so I would envisage that niche products like you know private equity type funds, you know I think that could be an area of uh, potential for Malta, and um, I can envisage that we would be you know happy to adopt you know the um, uh, various forms of limited partnership that are most suitable to the particular sector, and that's just an example. So there there are other areas you know I think. Um, making our processes more efficient, um, coming up with, for example, you know, a notified PIF, I think would make a big difference. That would be that would be very welcome because we've had um, uh, several several requests and several discussions with a number of clients uh, looking at smaller funds, perhaps which would be uh, regulated at a certain level, not necessarily at the same level. Indeed, as and and again, I mean, these are. One, institutional funds, um, two, sub-thresholds for AFMD, so we're below the 500 million threshold. And now I know that may be a large sum in Malta, but at the same time, in terms of, you know, a systemic impact, I think um, there is, the, you know, it's, it's well provided for in EU regulation. Um, jumping on to another topic, uh, most of our, of our rules today and our legislation in financial services on a, on a public law level is a reflection of EU directives and regulations. Mm, absolutely. Regulatory arbitrage has, um, I wouldn't say disappeared entirely, but it has reduced greatly. So we, we are uh, always on the lookout. The various jurisdictions which are uh, legitimately competing in this area are always on the lookout for uh, a unique selling point. The I think the, the future holds more convergence at EU level. Uh, the European supervisory authorities, I think, are becoming stronger. There is an agenda for more convergence happening at an EU level, much more than we have, we've, we've had so far. How do you see uh, this panning out in the, in the next few years? And how would the MFSA um, fit within this very complex EU supervisory framework? Um, well, um, nice That's a long, long question. Nice hard, <laughs> nice hard question. Um, we already do fit within it. Um, you're absolutely right. Um, convergence at the level of ESMA, EOPA, EBA um, is um, occurring rapidly. Um, and it's very much in terms of uh, standardization of reporting, data, so forth. Um, and also in terms of the guidelines that we see in terms of what is considered to be appropriate within the various EU regulations. And I think that's appropriate. Now, um, com compare then the notion of, um, and I, I, I don't particularly like the word regulatory arbitrage, I prefer the idea of competition. Um, and there are various areas of um, the financial sector, that some are much more competitive than others. There's still, in my view, a wide variety of opportunity within the EU um, legal framework. Jurisdictions, smaller jurisdictions like Malta, to compete 
effectively with um, with uh, the larger, more established jurisdictions. And we do know, you know, for example, you know, we've had setbacks with the revised AFMD. You know, one may be hopeful that, um, um, you know, the next revision may actually, you know, provide opportunities for us. So, um, so I think, you know, we'd like to see uh, more proportionality within these revisions uh, that are, you know, that accommodate competitiveness within the EU, because in fact, you know, the EU is founded on open market. That's right. And uh, the thing is that even the EU is evolving itself because the EU was also originally founded on subsidiarity. Uh, but subsidiarity has flown away because it needed to. It needed to, indeed. And um, uh, no better example than Ireland. The uh, I think I, I can uh, sort of pick on one, one very important uh, word which you used in, 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 the last, uh, in the last answer, which is proportionality. And I think uh, proportionality has been probably one of the um, uh, one of the main points which, as a country, we have um, uh, we need to push forward a bit more. But also from the point of view of the client base, from the point of view of the license holder base that we have in the jurisdiction, the rules which are coming out might be disproportionate to the level of. Um, uh, the the industry we have here, which might be appearing because I think we were quite good at our marketing, uh, especially uh, till around five years ago, where we're giving the impression that the industry in Malta might have been much bigger than it actually was. Yeah. Uh, with people thinking that we are controlling half the 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 economy of the of the world, and 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 all the trade winds were being controlled from this country, whereas in fact we know that that wasn't the case. Um, and proportionality uh, there becomes uh, very important on yeah. the application of rules. Um, it does. Um, now, um, what we now we, we have to marry two things. One is European priority on convergence, um, and you know, in terms of maximum harmonisation, negotiate revisions to the EU framework where they where the opportunity arises to put forward the um, the proportionality argument. And I see that there it's not like it's a monolith. I mean I think there's a there's a fear that, you know, the ECB, the supervisory board, the EOPA, you know, ESMA, that they're something of a monolith, you know, of all the larger dominated by the larger economies. I, I don't believe that's the case. Um, um, and you know I'm I'm aware that, you know, they're are as many, um, you know, um, participants at the table who support the notion of proportionality. So I think it's for us to advocate. And I think that's something, you know, we could do more of. So, Joe, what are the MFSA supervisory priorities uh, for the for the next year or two? I mean, the, the several documents have been issued by the MFSA uh, very transparently outlining what those priorities are. And it would be interesting to, to, to for, for our listeners to hear it from you as well. Yeah, so I think we have a very comprehensive strategy for um, in terms of supervisory priorities that we published, I think, just um, around December, you know, looking at all of the aspects of supervision in terms of, you know, sectoral, uh, horizontal. Um, and so, you know, if I were if I were to try and encapsulate it, 
uh, you know, rather than, you know, do, uh, rather than go through how I understand, you know, the, uh, the document, um, it seems to me that if we look at uh, banking, I think our priority will be to continue to supervise closely. I think we will be looking to a view towards consolidation in the sector, which we are beginning to see, um, uh, which is a positive thing. Um, we can see that um, insurance is um, a very well-established sector um, here, and um, it's very well covered by insurance legislation. Um, and we have a good variety of innovative structures. And I would mention in particular the protected cell uh, company legislation, which I think has been a, a great achievement for Malta. Um, um, and um, I think the thing to note about insurance is that um, it has sustained itself very well through the pandemic. If we turn to payment institutions, we see a great opportunity in terms of, well, there's already um, um, significant growth in the sector in terms of um, volume of payments and activity going um, through the various regulated firms. Um, and we are um, very supportive of um, uh, innovation. Now, when we come to looking at things like innovation, um, I think, when, you know, the sandbox, I think, is something that's often mentioned. And um, in my view, the um, sandbox is suitable for more suitable for process than an unregulated institution. So um, we see very much the, you know, the opportunity for firms to, you know, develop technologies and change the way of doing business. The use of technology uh, that we would encourage, you know, through use of the sandbox we see the PSD3 being very um, uh, a big part of this. The financial institution legislation is quite helpful to us in terms of flexibility. So um, we're very happy with that. And as I said, with respect to our you know, uh, asset management, I think um, there, is, um, there is great potential for asset management in Malta. Um, and I think we need, there are a number of things we need to improve on, including our legislative framework, our engagement with industry and the arrival of um, international depositories. Uh, the arrival of international depositories would be very welcome or as the opening up of the restriction which exists at the moment at the level of the IFMD requiring a local depository um, uh, for, the, for the alternative investment fund, which I know is something which the... the uh, at European level, this is being considered as well, but it depends very much on on negotiation and on the flexi the, the various flexibilities of the of the different countries involved. That that is absolutely right, and and I think it's up to Malta to you know um, be at the to put its best foot forward in terms of negotiation. I'll probably pick on uh, a topic which uh, has has created quite a bit of. Um, uh, Let's say we gave up. We gave out a few wrong messages along the way, around two, three years ago, when we started uh, portraying the, the the country as a, as the blockchain island, as the the island where um, crypto operators want to come here and operate from. In truth, the regime we have for virtual financial assets is, I would describe it as, and I'm describing this. I'm coming from a position of knowledge in the sense that I have read yeah. and scrutinized as well 
legislative frameworks and regulatory frameworks of other jurisdictions. Ours is probably the one in Malta is probably one of the best there is in the world. Not I'm, I'm not even saying the EU, the one of the best there is in the world. And the number of operators that we have in the country at the moment, number around 15. Uh, there are a few, a few virtual financial assets agents as well, and another 15. So we're looking at, uh, in all, 30 operators. Uh, so the industry isn't huge. And I think, on the other hand, that it is uh, strong enough for us to be able to build uh, on what there is at the moment, particularly since our clients keep on mentioning that exposure to crypto assets, not necessarily cryptocurrencies, I'm including anything you can imagine in the term crypto assets, has become extremely important for investors. Uh, any comments you'd like to make on this? Yeah, we're, we're talking about virtual financial assets. So virtual. Yeah. Um, and um, I think one needs to make a clear differentiation between what's appropriate for a retail investor and what's appropriate for an in institutional investor. Um, I know that, so um, I know, for example, other jurisdictions have banned BFA funds for retail investors. Um, now, uh, that seems appropriate to me um, uh, because I think one requires, I think, um, a strong level of uh, risk appetite and also um, a good knowledge of trading. Uh, we actually, as you say, we do have uh, the probably the best developed uh, legislative framework, certainly in Europe, there's no question about that. Um, and it's been modelled on the EU, um, you know, uh, um, MIFID directive. So it's uh, and which is now being followed by the EU Commission. One needs to bear in mind that at a global level, there are very different views being taken by central banks. Um, and, you know, the treasuries of, you know, different governments in terms of um, uh, the utility of um, BFAs. I think um, for those, you know, there, it is a very attractive sector for those who have the appetite. Um, and um, it's entirely appropriate that we should regulate it. Um, the other interesting thing to bear in mind is that um, by virtue of regulation, we now, you know, in terms of um, uh, looking at um, uh, sources of um, um, funds coming into um, um, BFAs, um, have a better handle on uh, those who um, may be located in sanctioned jurisdictions. So we actually probably have a better picture than many other EU jurisdictions on um, the, um, uh, the entry point of activity for investors. Great. Um, the, the, I think this, uh, the, the point you make on, on the difference between the professional and the retail investor is also an important point, which we need to keep in mind in various other sectors. So in, in asset management, for instance, Malta has proven to be more of a professional investor type of offering rather than a retail investor type of offering. One just needs to look at the number of usage funds, for example, which are licensed in Malta, uh, as opposed to the number of uh, alternative investment funds or professional investor investment funds, which we have at the moment. So I think 
uh, that distinction should remain and will remain in the future as well in other areas. Oh, I, I think it's vital. You know, there's um, a much greater duty of care to um, a retail investor, whereas in, uh, an institutional investor, we can accept as sophisticated and has the capacity to um, um, to accept the loss. It, to my mind, there's um, a material difference. Um, and um, we are encouraging, you know, there's the, um, um, a cultural change in um, firms um, to safeguard uh, retail investors through the um, the, the various um, uh, consumer protection policies that we um, have issued. But um, uh, to my mind, it's it's fundamental. A retail investor does not necessarily have the capacity to understand what is being offered. Yes, uh, uh, unfortunate, but but very true. Um, uh, I think which is, is, has been very clearly made today is that Malta is open for business. Uh, the MFSA is, is also open for business. It needs to be good business. It needs to be uh, compliant with the expectations, both at EU level, but even at a national level. Uh, we've had uh, some interesting years and we've had quite, uh, we've had exponential growth starting from 2008 on to 2016 for that, that decade i think that those those uh, 8 to 12 years were were key in our in our development we've seen a bit of consolidation now in the last two years in particular and we're ready for the next challenge mm-hmm. so thank you joe thank uh, you thank for you being with us here and today the, um, I, yeah and um, uh, just in conclusion i would say that you know the eu has been a terrific platform for the growth of malta absolutely so for those Uh, listening uh, to us today Uh, look out for the next episodes of Ganado Meets Finance which are coming up soon